0: The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience on this wacky Friday here in Teletubby La La Land. Uh-oh. It is Friday the 12th, but it feels like it's Friday the 13th. Ooh. One-stop shop, independent conservative thought. Boy, more than ever before you need it. And I, don't, I, I can't hide my feelings from you. Look, you know how I feel. I know how you feel. I'm not here to say, see, I told you so. I'm not here to just give predictions how Trump's going to screw us. I'm here to try to create a movement that he succeeds. I can't be more pro-Trump than Trump himself is. But oftentimes, he is the biggest never-Trumper. But then again, this is not about Team Trump or Team anti-Trump. This is about Team America. And at some point, we need to realize... That until and unless we build a counter movement where the American people could somehow get a voice in this era of Jim Crow against the American sovereign and the American citizen, there's nothing, totally nothing left. Now, I don't know where to begin today. As we're uh, going to recording here, you have this wacky, yet another wacky House oversight hearing where you have literally 100% of the resources of the Democrat-controlled House focused on illegal aliens, focused on promoting illegal immigration as much as possible. The American citizen just doesn't matter. It's, It's unbelievable. Watching this, Now, yesterday I put out an article on giving you a broader perspective of how things have changed since 2006 the law is still on the books that these people are not allowed in you have to have hundred percent operational control of the border to stop all illegal immigration not just even criminals all illegal immigration how in 2014 Obama said very simply basically I don't care how you die. If you fall off a train, if a cartel threw you off a train, don't come here and you won't die. And if you come here, we're going to deport you. That's what Obama, Barack Hussein Obama said. After just three months of over 50,000 apprehensions and over 10,000 family unit apprehensions, he shut it down. Yet here we are. 10 months into that level and four or five months into five times that level and there's no end in sight. And the reason there's no end in sight is for one very simple reason. A reason we warned about in our book, Stolen Sovereignty, a reason I'm going to continue warning about until you can no longer deny it, And I still wonder why and how it's able to be denied. That if you tell me that any one of the hundred district judges at any point could give standing to anyone to review anything and rule on anything in any way, no matter the consequences, no matter the Constitution, no matter statute, no matter history and tradition, no matter common sense, no matter the separation of powers, then there's quite literally nothing left to do. Trump could win a second term. He could win supermajorities in both houses, which is not really in the cards because it's impossible to even do that in the Senate given the map. But it wouldn't matter anyway because you are telling me that the ACLU literally rules our country. That is where we are Today, So, you know, they're engaging in this hearing where you have the Hamas caucus, AOC and Tablid and all these people testifying about the morality of Border Patrol. You guys heard yesterday from Sergio Tinoco, an amazing border agent, gave a riveting show. And he put out on Twitter last night. I hope you guys saw this. God bless him for willing to push the envelope and speak out he showed a picture comparing the hearings where we had Border Patrol speak about security and the cartels and hearings with illegal aliens. The one with illegal aliens was jam-packed. Every single member on the committee showed up. And I actually remember this. The few hearings they actually held on border security, two-thirds of the members were missing, including Republicans. And my question is, I understand where the Democrats... Are. But if you want to know how the Democrats moved light years to the left in just a few years since Obama, the answer is this. While the the Democrats control the House, the last time I checked, Republicans control the Senate. And in the Senate, why are there no hearings with Border Patrol agents? Why is our show yesterday? In various forms, not a congressional hearing. Why is everything the guests we have on this show, why are they not interested? Why don't you have angel families? Why don't you have the thousands of Americans separated permanently in the grave from their children or children from their parents as a result of criminal aliens? Who could have been deported and pursuant to our laws must be deported. And because of Jim Crow policies against the American citizen. Whether it's a state or whether it's insidious federal government policies. They weren't deported. And these people died for nothing. For nothing. But that's your answer. The reason why Democrats are able to hold these hearings is because Republicans aren't holding a counter. There's no check and balance on the Democrat behavior. Democrats are the sun. And guess what? Republicans are the earth orbiting around that sun. They orbit around their messaging. They don't have their own. They don't have their own. You know, people say, like, Daniel, what, you want the Democrats to get elected? No, you asshole. I want to defeat them. So the way to defeat them is not by explaining away and rationalizing the low expectations you have for Trump and Republicans. It's to pressure them to do the right thing at the key leverage points rather than standing down and saying, well, I don't want the Democrats. That's a strongman argument. We're not talking about that. There's a third option. You speak out against what they're doing and make them do the right thing. Here's what people don't understand about what the president and Attorney General General William Barr did yesterday with the census. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. But you need to hear it on this show. I'm going to give it to you because no one else is going to give it to you. It's very important. See, it's not just a problem with the census. That's bad enough that we're going to go without finding out how many citizens and where. Oh, and by the way, the Teletubbies are out in full force like, oh, no. He's preparing the groundwork for 2030. Naughty no-no. See, that was 2030. (laughs) It's always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Commensurate with the severity and depth of the screw on the issue before us is the promise of truculence and ferocity on the fight not before us until we get to that fight and we rinse and repeat the same cycle. So yeah, it's 20, in 2030, we're going to get it on the census. Or, or he says like, no, the truth is that wouldn't have been an accurate count anyway. So therefore, I'm going to find better ways. Oh, really? So then what was this whole thing about? I mean, every time. And why is he saying this? The media doesn't need to hear this. The media doesn't want it on the census. Why does he need to defend himself? It's he, He's signaling to the conservative base, stand down, stand down. That's when you need to stand up. That's exactly when you need to stand up. But anyway, he, he, here's the problem with what happened. There'd be It would be tragic enough if he gave up on that, a once-in-a-ten-year opportunity. When you have the Constitution, you have law, everything on your side. But it's what this case represents and what it portends for the rest of his presidency. Yesterday in the Rose Garden, the president didn't just give up on the census. Yesterday in the Rose Garden, the president gave up on his presidency, and that includes even a second term because what he did was crown any district judge king to engage in an illegal inquiry about any policy he does, no matter the rationale, no matter the statute, no matter the constitution, no matter the consequences, no matter the rules of standing, no matter the precedent, no matter the history and tradition that any judge and if they do a couple they pick California, New York, Maryland and they tie them up and that that they have no stomach not only to not push back against them but to even at least see the process through and appeal it and 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 and, and fight it at least play the judicial supremacy game no it's the signal he gave to the ACLU and unlimited number of soros funded illegal immigrant legal defense groups that's the issue see part of the trick with trump is as he screws us with one issue he always dangles in front of another squirrel no but i'm i'm getting tough on deportations but guess what with within the next few days i guarantee you the court cuz the courts basically already said this but they're going to say you can't deport people what are you going to do then mr president um, I'm going to appeal the decision. Ah, See, this is the moral hazard. He has no presidency left. Here's what went on here. Before I get to the money quote of what happened at the Rose Garden, let me just set the table again. Let's review the census. It's not just the issue per se. It's what is so important about it that matters. The issue here is different from anything else. So we've already established that any court anywhere, anytime could give an opinion on the Constitution, and that that is the final word. I mean, it's not true, but I'm just saying it facetiously. That is the premise that has been accepted by the political class, including the Trump administration and the phony, telltubby conservative legal movement. Uh Uh-oh, Dipsy. Uh Uh-oh, Lala. Uh Uh-oh, Poe. They, anything they say on statute is the final say. Okay? Anything they say, even when they admit that the administration has constitutional and statutory authority, albeit they say you didn't follow the Administrative Procedure Act in the way you promulgated the policy, is the law of the land. What happened with the census that is so different is two things. Number one, standing. We're not talking about anyone being fined or punished here. We're talking about how could someone, a state or a NGOs, I think it was both in this case, there are a couple of different cases, get standing to, to say how you word surveys on the census. But moreover, the issue here is that John Roberts in, so there was no dispute here. It's not like you know, usually they say uh, the Constitution says there's a right to an abortion. It's absurd, but they're officially saying the Constitution mandates it. Here, no, they said Trump is right on the Constitution. He's right on statute. He's right on history and tradition. He's right on the essence of the census. He's right on the APA. He fulfilled the APA. But you know what, John Roberts is saying this. I want you. I don't think you told the district judge the truth. But the problem with that is rather than legitimize Roberts and say, look, Roberts gave a good opinion and like, but, but we just didn't have enough time. It was insidious. It was self-conflicting, meaning everyone wants to say, oh, it was like a reasonable opinion. But in many ways, Roberts gave the most radical opinion, more radical than even any leftist ever did, because if you're admitting all to all those things that it's the essence of the census, of course you're asking it, of course you have the right to do it, then how does a district judge have the right to engage in an inquiry in the first place on this issue? Meaning the whole issue is they say, I think you violated the Constitution or statute, so we have the right to get involved. Now, we strenuously disagree with that, and the problem is They believe the statute of the Constitution is up and down, so that allows them to get involved in 90% of cases. But what happened with the census case now allows them to get involved in 100%. As Thomas said, the court engaged in in an unauthorized inquiry into evidence not properly before us to reach an unsupported conclusion. But what the point is is this. Normally, they have to at least say there's some sort of facial violation that's taking place. Now, they could engage in pretextual stuff. They could literally, meaning, normally, I have to, if I say, look, a court has to show that you're engaging, that you don't have authority to do what you're doing. Now, that was bad enough because they would just say you don't have authority to do it. But now, what Robert said is that. <clears throat> You could totally have authority and the court could admit you have authority, but they have the right to say, I want to delay and question what your motives were. That's, that's what they said. As Thomas said, the court's decision enables partisans to use the courts to harangue executive officers through depositions, discovery, delay, and distractions. Alito noted that any one of the approximately 1,000 district court judges in this country upon receiving information that a controversial agency decision might have been motivated by some unstated consideration may order the questioning of cabinet officers and the judge may then pass judgment on whether the decision was pretextual. Think about that for a moment. There's no end to this. That's the issue. So now we can plug this in. It's not just the census. It's any, literally anything Trump ever does. We already established he's going to pass no good laws because he's not going to pressure McConnell on enforcing the talking filibuster. And they're never going to get 60 votes. We've already established we're not going to get better leadership because Trump will support the rhinos against conservative challengers rather than support the conservative challengers. We've already established he won't use the leverage of budget fights because you can't have a government shutdown. We already established he won't use the leverage of even non-government shutdown risk bills like supplementals because I don't know why, but he won't. We've already established that a district judge can screw with any new executive order he does and no matter what, how lawful it is. But now... With this case that William Barr basically said was a good decision by Roberts, we just don't have time to go back to the lower courts and do this. Is that literally any action taken by any executive officer to fulfill and execute the laws of the nation? I don't know. You have an air control trafficker, you know, direct a plane in. Anyone could say, I don't like the motivation and a judge doesn't even have to pretend anymore to say, Hey, I think you violated this law or this, you know, clause of the constitution. They could just say, you're a racist. So this is on hold. Well, what do you mean? The law says I can do it. Give yeah, it doesn't matter. Why are you doing it? Well, I'm doing it because this, well, wh- why else are you doing it? Do you understand how dangerous that is? I never, when I wrote my book of judicial supremacy, I never even thought of this. In my worst nightmare, I never thought I would have to get this bed before our people wake up. And still they don't wake up. Still they don't wake up. But anyway, rather than William Barr getting up there and asserting. Alito and Thomas, just reading what Alito and Thomas said. And again, here's my point. Trump announced, I'm caving. Okay, fine, you're caving. As I noted before, if you're not going to push back, at least rhetorically push back. So you at least reserve the prerogative and you put them on notice and you call your shot and you build momentum this is completely illegitimate. Look, we want to get the census out now. We're going to deal with this, but this is a growing pattern, and you explain in very detail the problems with this, the problems with universal injunctions, yada yada. Instead, William Raw, uh, uh, William Barr ascends the podium, and he says the following. You know, he says his thing. First of all, he just blithely says, um. The Supreme Court correctly recognized that it would be entirely appropriate to include a citizenship and nevertheless held the Commerce Department did not adequately explain its decision. He, like, he explained it as if, like, yeah, like, they're right. I, I, we, we made a mistake. No, that in itself is an indictment. What gives a court the right to ever say you didn't adequately explain an executive decision if at the same time you admit either way you would have the power to... Execute that decision. right? again, th- th- this, is, this is not a matter of a court saying up is down and down is up. They admit that up is up. And they say nonetheless, even when you say up is up and we believe and agree that up is up, we still have the right to put you on hold. So he just blithely blows through that. And then at the end, he says one other point on this. Some in the media have been suggesting In the hysterical mode of the day that the administration has been planning to add the citizenship question to the census by executive fiat without regard for contrary court orders or what the Supreme Court might say, this has been based on rank speculation and nothing more. As should be obvious, that was never under consideration. We have always accepted that a new decision to add a citizenship question to the census would be subject to judicial review. Do you understand how in that line, everything I've been calling for for two years, it's not just that they didn't do it. They declined to do it. They kept silent. So the best thing would have been for him to say what I said he should have said. The next best thing would just be to cave and say nothing. But he actually gratuitously added, don't ever accuse and think that I ha- even had a thought or an inkling To go ahead with our powers without regard for judicial review. In that line, many of us have been asking, where is the floor? Is there anything, one simple thing a court could do that would be out of bounds? That would prompt a righteous reaction for the executive branch to say, look, we're another branch of government. You can't have one branch of government policing its own contours. This is what people don't understand. What they don't understand about this notion that the courts get to police their own jurisdiction and the jurisdiction of the other two branches as well at the same time and have that be sole and final. Madison said the several departments being perfectly coordinate by the terms of their common commission. Neither of them, it is evident, can pretend to an exclusive or superior right of settling the boundaries between their respective powers. So we all asked, what would happen if a judge would say, deportations are immoral, you can never deport someone? What would happen if a judge says, Trump must appear before us naked? Let me ask you another question. What would happen? See, it's hard to know what Trump cares about. But I'll tell you something he does care about. Sex. And I'm sorry to get crude here, but I got to make this point. What if a judge would say, I am putting an injunction on Trump's you-know-what? Which desire would win out? His desire to cuck and genuflect before a district judge or his desire to fool around? Well, I think we now have our have our answer. I, I, I cannot overstate how dangerous those comments from, from the Attorney General were. And they were totally needless and gratuitous. He totally didn't have to do it. You could always, even if you don't feel comfortable, you're too scared to push back now, but you know and you see the momentum in the courts and what they're doing, particularly you see what they're doing on immigration, at least reserve that prerogative. But he preemptively said, like, as if it's like the plague, how dare you even accuse us and think we would ever do this? Wow. I could not have thought of a better way to crown the court's king of everything that is sacred in this country. I mean, there is literally nothing left. And that's what I mean when I say that this president, with his proclamation, along with what Attorney General Barr said, he didn't just lose the census, but he lost the entire country. And this is the thing. You hear the passion in my voice. You hear that I have worked for two and a half years to find every avenue, every budget fight, every legislative fight, every executive legal point. This is not a one off. Like, you can't just say, oh, Daniel, don't worry about this. Pick one of 10 things. I'm just asking you for you to fight on one of them. And you look at the Democrats. Look, I give them credit. Rashid Tablid, the Hamas agent, just broke down in tears in front of the committee on behalf of illegal aliens. You got to give these AOC credit. She saw an issue. She went down there. And she is laying down on the tracks to fight. To fight for illegal aliens. And by the way, Chip Roy is testifying before the committee now you might want to watch that. You know, this is obviously afterwards when you hear this, so, you know, go 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 find a clip of his. He's the only one giving the moral viewpoint. I ask you, why is there such a dearth of people on our side that have as much energy, passion and commitment to the rule of law, to true morality? of the American citizen and frankly downstream to everyone else on the border. But therein lies the problem. And I'm just speaking from the heart here. I'm speaking out loud. I don't know what more to do. I need your help. I need your suggestions. I'm one man, limited in intellect, limited in resources, limited in energy. What keeps me up at night is this. I would be at peace if our country, the majority of our country, even the transformed country, reflected reflected the views of the elites. It's like, look, we fought the fault. There's nothing we can do. But what is so said is the majority of the country agrees with us. At least on this issue. And yet, I don't know how we – I'm struggling. How do we get a galvanizing moment to get the American point of view, the border agent view out, the angel mom view? I don't know. How do we get their voices instead of just some ragtag rally? You know, I'm thinking of some sort of idea if we could just get – because you know, ICE in particular, but you know, Border Patrol always, they're headed through very per- perilous times, very dangerous times. If we can at least get some sort of public comment where thousands of citizens send in well wishes to ICE and, and Border Patrol agents. Maybe we get people to make meals for Border Patrol, go down there. I, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I don't know what we can do. I obviously have it on mute now. I'm watching uh, Chip Roy um uh you know motioning emphatically. I can't I, I have the sound off, obviously. Where are the other Chip Roys? You got Andy Biggs, maybe a handful of others. But in the Senate? And again, part of the problem is we have a couple of good house guys, but they're in the minority. Republicans are in the majority in the Senate. They control the committees. Where where are they? There's not a single voice. So let me get into another point. So we have Chris Kobach, who would be that voice running in Kansas, and there's rumors I, I can't confirm, I, I could try to find out that maybe um Jeff Sessions would run for Senate in Alabama. Now, right now, at, um, what's his name? Uh, Arnold Mooney, the father of my colleague Gaston Mooney, is running. He's in the state legislature. He told me, and we're going to have him on the show next week, by the way, his understanding was Sessions is not running. Otherwise, he would never run. But you never know. I don't know. I get the impression if Sessions would run, he would get out. Um, He's a very big supporter of Jeff. Jeff. We don't have a Sessions there anymore. So there's literally, Cruz is playing with himself. Lee and Paul care about nerdy things. Paul is trying to like quadruple the number of visas we're getting. This liberal bill that passed the House expanding Chinese and Indian visas wasn't enough for him. He wants more. Cotton's good on the issue, but he must be in the witness protection program. Josh Hawley just cares about censorship on Twitter. And that's about it folks. And Cruz is filling the blank. I I just I don't get it. His state's being invaded and uh I don't know. Does someone have something on him? I I don't I don't know. Don't don't think I have more than you. I don't have an answer to that question. So it would be important to get them, right? Yet the schmuck jerk off from Alabama, Richard Dick Dick Shelby, another Rhino from Hell, who's the head of the Appropriations Committee. He said Trump's not on board with Sessions running. Then you got Kobach running, and so far I don't see Trump supporting him. Remember, these are two open seats, or or in Alabama it's a Democrat, meaning it's not even like you have to go up against an incumbent Rhino Republican. Why is it that Trump is aff- is affirmatively actively supporting Martha McSally in Arizona and Tom Tillis in North Carolina preemptively nuking existing challengers in, in um, North Carolina and a potential challenge in Arizona from Marianne Mendoza, an angel mom, for losers... And yet, somehow, he's silent on these guys. Now, some of you might say, look, you know, I like Kobach, but didn't he needlessly lose a red state governorship to a Democrat in the state of Kansas? Now, my question to you is this Governor, now look, it could be he did things wrong. It was a bad year to begin with. But I I will note, too, you have to understand any insurgent conservative is going to look like a fool because you have the entire Republican Party joining with the Democrats to trash the guy. And one after another, say the guy is a Nazi and I'm not voting for it. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. see, when you have a rhino run, conservatives are their biggest supporters. As much as they don't like them, they actually truly don't want the Democrats to win because they actually do care. So they rally around them. But the other way around, they sabotage them. So it's kind of hard. But also, you have to understand governor is different than senate. Right? Even in this age of polarization, there's still a lot of democrats in red states like Wyoming. I don't know if he's still there in Wyoming, but I know there's a democrat governor of Montana and then you have republican governors in the northeast. Now they're horrible, but they're, you know, the democrat didn't win. So it's still the politics of state politics is different and the governor Brownback was had like a 2% approval rating. So there're a lot of problems there and you know, they feasted off of that. Why am I telling you this? Because when it comes to Senate races, they usually follow along the lines of the presidential election, especially in a presidential year. So with Trump on the ballot in Kansas for a Senate race, it's very hard to lose that. But here's the deal. So if you want to tell me, look, Daniel, we don't go with people who lose red states. Fine. But then why the hell is Trump supporting Martha McSally who just lost a Senate race in Arizona, a Senate race that usually falls along partisan ideological lines. I can't help the guy if he's going to support the rhinos, not support the conservative candidates, not support leadership change in Congress, not support the vetoing bills, not support budget fights. Not support pushing back against a single district judge on a single issue. Not fire McAleenan. You see what I mean? It's not one thing. I could excuse one thing. I could excuse five things. He's not fighting on anything. And no one is pushing him to fight on anything. I don't say this to be like, I was like, you know, some people are tweeting me. How dare you get off the Trump train? Or some people are like, I'm off the Trump train. It's neither. I'm on Team America. It's not about Trump. I want him to succeed. What more could we do? I don't know what more we could do. But it's amazing watching this hearing. How. The Democrats. They care and they care and they care. When are we going to reach the day where we have a so-called conservative movement that cares as much about American citizens and victims of illegal aliens and victims of crime with the same zeal, passion, and religiosity as the Democrats care about illegal aliens, as Democrats care about other country citizens for whom they are not Responsible for. Again, you could cry over other people. That's fine. In the right circumstances, that's laudatory. But as a member of Congress at a congressional hearing dealing with public policy about the assets and policies of the United States government, they are for the American citizen. And if we cannot lay that marker down, then we lost our country. Obama laid that marker down. Again, Again, September of 2006, the Senate passed the Secure Fence Act. Now, a lot of people focus on the border wall. No less than 850 miles were to be constructed of double-layer fencing. Never happened. But it said more than that. It said... The Secretary of Homeland Security within 18 months shall take all actions to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders of the United States. Section 2B of the bill defines operational control as the prevention of all unlawful en- entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments. Look at that word instruments of terrorism. Narcotics and other contraband. That is the law. That is the mandate. Schumer, Hillary, Biden, Obama, and Diane Dian Feinstein, among many other Democrats, voted for that bill. That bill was signed into law. Why is this the only show where you're hearing this? I just don't get it. And look, some of some people on Twitter accuse me of being like a bellyacher. I challenge someone to find another human being on any side of the aisle who does more to craft ideas. And as you well know, I don't just commentate. I I literally part of why I'm so busy is because I'm, I'm actually trying to get them to people in the administration and Congress. What they do with it, I have no control over that. But I don't just, you know like to listen to myself or see my articles published I try to work them I do my best with that I try to get this stuff out but um this is where we are It is absolutely disgusting Absolutely disgusting. It's funny. Yesterday, Rush Limbaugh criticized Republicans for not making a bigger fuss over the issue when Obama was president. Removing the citizenship question. Now, first of all, it was removed in the 1950s on the short form. That was when it was removed on the on the long form. And then he still said Trump's going to succeed. <laughs> See, he's so stupid. He's missing his own point. He's crit—he's like, why don't we criticize the Democrats when they're in power? Well, first of all, why didn't you? But, And then he's like, oh, Trump's okay. You fool, Rush. You fool. You don't have influence over Democrats. They're not going to listen to you. But Trump will. So by excusing and saying, oh, he's doing a good job, you're the one messing it up. Stop looking backwards. Live in the here and now. Stop looking backwards and making excuses for the past while telling lies about notional things in the future. Live in the present. Live in the here and now. Why didn't you, Rush Limbaugh, fight hard enough in eight to ten budget battles when Republicans control the trifecta government? Why were you focused on utter crap Every time we were pushing immigration on these issues, on these budget bills. Why do we have unicell organisms that have the strongest voices in this movement? Dumb as mud. Unbelievable. And I say that with, with so much sorrow. I grew up listening to him. I have fond memories of summer days being home early 90s, falling asleep on my bed, listening to Rush, you know, just in the afternoon, kind of tired. It's so sad. So sad. It's like Sean Hannity invited AOC on for a full hour. Why don't you invite on conservatives to forge our plan? You can't influence them, and why promote her? Why give her leadership like that? I I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's such a dearth of leadership. You know, I'd say, Daniel, why don't you run for Congress? You know what? I seriously would. But I live in a solid blue district. You can never get away with carpet bagging and just moving to Tehran. Not as a conservative. As a rhino or a liberal, you could. Um that that's just the the, the you know, the lot of life. So, um but that's what it is. I'm just watching this hearing, and you know everyone's on defense. Chip is saying, no, the water container is right outside the very cells where we were told they didn't have water to drink, and they there were. They did have water. And look, Chip is a member of that committee. He's a minority member of that committee, so he has to deal with that. But my question is, why aren't the majority members in the Senate? Why isn't Lindsey F. N. Graham's committee, where he's now treated as a hero and not getting a primary challenger and getting supported by Trump, Why is he not holding hearings on all the things the illegals are doing to Americans? Why aren't they holding hearings on border agents being assaulted and nobody taking the prosecutions? Why aren't they holding hearings on the egregious rules of engagement? Why aren't they holding hearings on the way the border agents are treated? You know, I just have an article that just came out. We're going to put in show notes where I transcribe some of the show from yesterday, children of overwhelmed border agents bullied in schools, taunted over their parents' job. I want you to help me get the word out, give me ideas, how to galvanize, how to organize on behalf of our border agents, our ICE agents, our sovereignty. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm just one man. I'm one man amidst a bunch of <clears throat> a bunch of cowards. A bunch of dummies. And, and and that's being nice. These are the people who aren't snakes. <laughs> this is being charitable. Uh anyway, before I just totally just lose it with my blood pressure, I want to get to a story I I've been meaning to get to all week. Um oh by the way, just Chip Roy did mention he quoted from Sergio in the article we just put out. You know, this morning Chip literally had no prepared remarks. It was a last-minute thing to counter these guys. And uh he rose to the occasion. So uh his the audio is up. If you go to the Republican House Oversight Committee Twitter, um they have his statement there, and it's it's pretty Pretty good. It's good stuff. Um, So, definitely want to listen to that. And and look, you know, that's where we're making a difference. We got one guy fighting for us, a handful of others. That's about it. But I, I want to transition to this undefined solution that we're trying to come up with. How do we galvanize we the people? You know, if the other side are engaging in civil disobedience against the law, well, why can't we engage in disobedience against the civil disobedience and on behalf of the law? And as many of you have noted, and I've noted myself, when we had that local mayor on in Uvalde, Texas, some of this starts at the local level, it all starts at the local level. And there's an amazing story that I haven't given enough attention to, and I wanna try to get this guy on the show, but this guy in um in Erie County, New York, he's a Democrat. You know, everyone's wondering, where is the person standing up for the rule of law? And the first guy is a Democrat. Mickey Kearns, Michael Kearns, from he's the Erie County clerk. And he he started off just, you know, before he filed a lawsuit, he said, Wait a minute. Republicans like take it as gospel. That oh, there's nothing we do. States have control. They give benefits to illegals. Wait a minute. I'm a big Tenth Amendment guy, but there's a few things that were given over to the states, and they were given given over to, to the federal government, and that they were the catalyst for changing from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution, and one of those things was immigration. And the idea was because they didn't want people trying to – states to juice up their representation, literally, exactly what they're doing with the census, exactly what they're doing with sanctuaries and benefits by controlling it. So they said the federal government controls it. So therefore, when we adopted the Constitution in 1789, we created a federal sovereign of the whole of the Union. So if you're an illegal and you traverse the border – You are violating the federal sovereign before you violate state sovereignty. Okay? So who's to say a state could just say people that were not not allowed to be here, we, we could just give them driver's licenses. So New York did that among many states. And finally, one county clerk says, wait a minute. The federal government controls immigration. I respect state law, but the federal government controls it, and you're putting me in an impossible predicament. I'm violating federal law if you tell me to issue driver's licenses to illegals. And he was the leader. Now, some Republican officials in Erie County are joining with him. Um, a guy in Monroe County. It's a few guys in the legislature there. And they kicked off a movement. And this is something we really need to work on and encourage. And I want to try to have Mr. Kearns on the show. I'm trying to get a hold of him um, next week. And he filed a lawsuit. You know what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And he made the following points, and and these are going to reverberate not just in the driver's license case, but in, in everything we're talking about. People make it seem like we don't have laws. Like, hey, illegals could come, they could sue, they could get rights. Uh, we, we, you know, border agents are sued, ISIS sued, sheriff deputies are sued. We're the lawless ones. They have claims on us. No, we already have laws that that say the opposite. 8 U.S.C. 1324 makes it a violation to conceal, harbor, or shield from detection any aliens. It also makes it a felony to attempt these acts, to aid or abet their commission, or to conspire to commit them. Fifth Circuit Court of of Appeals has already said, Quote, in enacting this provision, Congress intended to broadly prescribe any knowing or willful conduct fairly within any of these terms that tends to substantially facilitate an alien's remaining in the country. In other words, like it's not like, oh, the alien could sue us. They could come to Congress and have hearings. No, you're removable. You cannot remain here illegally. It's it's that simple. We just flaunt it. It's like they openly come to Congress, State of the Union addresses. And we do nothing about it. No. It's like, wait a minute, they can't be here. So how are you telling me I have to, if I'm issuing them a driver's license, am I not aiding and abetting, facilitating them remaining here beyond belief? Moreover, when they passed this law, one of the things they said is that we, we want our, uh, you know, the, the, these people, these illegals need a driver's license so they could commute to work. But wait a minute. This is the famous IRCA, the 1986 amnesty bill. In return for amnesty, it made it illegal for employers to knowingly hire, recruit, refer, and continue to employ unauthorized workers. The entire purpose of IRCA was to, quote, combat the employment of illegal aliens. So finally, someone's asserting this. But where's where's the Department of Justice? Why is this one man up you know to try to get the federal courts by himself? Where's DOJ? Where is G- DOJ? So um there we are. There we are. This guy is being forced to do it, and and it's like everyone's the supremacy clause. It's amazing how when it comes to co- federal courts violating the Constitution, everyone's like the supremacy clause. No, the supremacy clause was the laws of Congress, not edicts of courts. Laws of Congress on the states. Whatever happened to that? This is clear obstacle preemption of the states. The the supremacy clause. Preempts this type of state law. Very simple. How in the world does this happen? So I really salute Mr. Kearns. And let's let's see um let's see what we let's see what we say. You know um I just I just don't know I just don't know I just don't know You know there there's no help I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, why is this the first guy to do this? Where are any federal Republicans? Where is the administration? So let's see how we could help this guy. So um, that's the story with this. One other story and again we'll, we'll we'll try to follow up one other story I, I really did want to get to is um earlier this week can't remember it was 2 days ago we did a piece on just how demographically they're just fundamentally taking over our country they're taking over our country so you see this with, you know, what Agent Sergio um, told, told us that his kids are now being bullied in school, because, as we all know, the Rio Grande Valley is basically cartel land. But again, you know, I, I just want to give you a l- some more statistics. This is from Axios came out this week. Immigrants are moving to smaller cities. So again, it's old news that Houston and and New York and LA and Chicago and Phoenix are all taken over. That's old news. But they they show how the the influx is so much, it's fundamentally transforming everything. There's been a 30.6% increase in just 3 years in immigrants into Akron, Ohio. Still just that 5% foreign-born, but that was the epitome of a place without any. Seattle is now 18.9% foreign-born. Tampa, 14.3. Omaha, 7.3. You got lots of Congolese, Sudanese gangs there. Raleigh, 12.8% foreign-born. Fort Myers, 17.2% foreign-born. Wow, I didn't know that. So there we go. And again, there's nothing wrong with being foreign-born, but it, it's quantities. I mean, there's just no understanding. In 2017, immigrants were responsible for 98% of the population growth in Cincinnati, 80% of the growth in metro, 88% of the metro growth in Birmingham, 87% of the metro growth in Miami, Four of the top 10 cities seeing the most population growth from immigrants are in Florida. I don't know, folks. I just don't know. (laughs) So we talk about the census here. I don't know what you do. See from from the left wing perspective and they're right about this who needs to um who needs to win certain jurisdictions 100 to 0 you know if they're at 90 10 in some of these big metro areas move them out to the next tier and the next tier and start flipping them you know 50 55% that's what they're doing now You know, these other areas are already fundamentally transformed. So why not go for the kill? That's what they're doing. I'm just telling you nothing matters if we keep this up. No other issue matters. And I care deeply about a lot of issues. But you give the left a permanent majority, which is what you do when you have unassimilable people coming too quickly from types of places that are too hard to assimilate from at least in those numbers, I, you, whatever, this is what it is. So anyway, we need to find ways to galvanize, to get the voices of angel moms out. If you know any, send them my way. You could email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. We need to find a way to more publicly show our support for Border and uh, Patrol and ICE. Why the hell Trump is talking about the details of this of the operation. I don't know, but they're headed into some perilous situations. That's another thing. I mean, it's hard to fight against leaking when he himself does it too. I don't know. All I have is this microphone and a pen and a phone. (laughs) Some phone calls and I'm going to keep doing it. I need you to send this not to 10 people, to 15 people. Call the White House. Call your members of Congress. And then ultimately, we got to organize at a local level. Say Democrat County Clerk. We're going to try to hear from him next week. Lots of things swirling in my mind. Lots left on the table, even though we did so much this week. But thank you again for a terrific week. Enjoy your weekend. God bless you all.